Okay, today's daf, we are going to do Ayin Aleph on the bet and Ayin Bet. Okay, uh, we're starting just to review from a little bit from the Mishnah on Ayin Aleph Amud Aleph. Um, we're really from past the Mishnah, and we'll get back to the Mishnah eventually. But we're in the middle of a machlok, and Amemar says that Meshicha, Bovei Kochavim, is Koneh, which is a classic Kenyan by a Jew. The question is, does it also apply to a non-Jew? Or is there an assumption that if a non-Jew, just because he's Mosheikh something, doesn't mean he's necessarily intending to buy? Um, he's, let's say, less, a little bit less reliable, according to the halacha. Um, and therefore, it actually has to be by passing over money, which is a more final type of thing. Whereas, Arav um, Ashi says that, so Amemar says, Mashiach is kone, even for a non-Jew. And Rav Ashi says, it's not kone. Okay, so in the meantime, Rav Ashi had brought in, I have sorry, I brought a proof um, about these Hanu Savyuta, these Mochreyayin. That what would they do? They would make sure to always take the money first before they would start pouring the wine into the kalim of the non-Jews. So we're going to have a big discussion about this, why they did this. Okay, he says um, Rav. It wasn't just that they did it, but Rav told these Mochreyayin that when you're selling your wine to your non-Jews, make sure to get the money first. And then, um, and then start pouring. And he says, um, uh, right, and if not, make sure, do you remember he said, make sure, if they don't have money, make sure to loan them money, and then they'll pay you the money. Because the issue was, right, that we want to make sure that it doesn't turn into yei nesech when it's still in your possession, and then you'll be getting benefits. So basically, give the money first, so that whenever... It becomes Yenesach, it's no longer your property. So Ravashi says, if Mashiach was Kone, then basically, as you would start pouring it, it would become theirs, and then it would become Yenesach in their possession. So therefore, it must be that, um, that it's, that it's, uh, Mashiach is not Kone by Ananju. Okay, so let's start from the top of, um, the top of Ayan Aleph Amabet. From the very end of the last one, if Meshicha was Kone, right, then as soon as they took it, it would be Kone. And in other words, first you give it to him, he takes it, and then he's Menasech. So if Meshicha was Kone, it would be enough just to give it to him, he would take it, and then it would become Yenesach in his hands. So then they say, If Rav was talking about a case, where they were giving it to a, putting it in the kelim of Yisrael, then hachanami, then I would agree with you, says the, you know, the side supporting Amemer. But lotzricha de kakal verame lamana de oveg kochavim. But I'm saying that once you put it in the mana of the, of, if you would, if you would have poured it into the mana of de kochavim, then, um, it would turn immediately, one second, uh, right. What would be the issue? It's not the issue that the non-Jew might touch it, which would obviously happen after he's Moshech. The issue would be that when you pour it into the non-Jewish Kli, in other words, if you pour it into a Jewish Kli, the Jew pours it into his Kli to measure it and then gives it to the non-Jew, then we're not worried. Then the non-Jew you know, would then put his hand in, and at that point it would already belong to him because he would be Magbia. But here the issue is that as soon as you forget about it, it has nothing to do with Hagba and, and that kind of Kone. As soon as you put it into the Kli of the non-Jew, what will happen? There's got to be some Yenesech already in the Kli, in which case as soon as it gets into the Kli, it's already going to be Yenesech. 
because it mixes with an Yenesach that's in the Kli. So therefore, comes the other side and says, that's why Rav said, give the money first. It has nothing to do with Kinyanim. It doesn't prove your case of Kinyanim, because the point is, as soon as it gets into the Kli and touches the bottom of the Kli, the Yenesach that's in the Kli, the little drops get mixed up in it. We're on Ayan Aleph, I'm a bed at the top. The drops get mixed up in it, and it's going to turn into Yenesach. So then they say, Rabashi answers back, no, sof sof, when does the Kenyan happen? When it gets into the avir of the Kli. As soon as it gets into the avir of the Kli, the assumption right now is that the non-Jews holding the Kli. So as soon as we get into the avir of the Kli, if you say Mashiach is Kona, what would happen? As soon as it gets into the avir of the Kli and the non-Jews holding it, there's your Kenyan. So, and yenesech lohave ademate lar ita demana. It won't become Ye Nesach until it gets into, we're now talking about the difference in time nice. between, right, entering in. As it enters in, it already becomes the, the non-Jews property. And even if a little bit, let's say, gets to the bottom first, let's say until enough gets into the Avir, still, you only have a drop at the bottom and the majority of it is really in the Avir of the Kli. So basically, once it's in the Avir, it's already Kone. Okay, if Mashiach was Kone. So therefore, he says, that's not a good proof against me. But the avir would get smaller as the kli filled up. That's true, but it, but as long as most of it's going through the avir of the kli first, he's gone oh, already. Okay. okay, so that's what Ravashi says. But now we're going to say, okay, uh, okay. Now we're going to say, based on the person who's arguing against Ravashi, Shmamina, according to him, why did he think that it's going to be Ye Nesach, even if first the drops get in a even if most of the wine is in the avir of the kli and only a little bit gets to the bottom, we're still going to follow what hits the bottom. Why? This goes back to a basic machloka we've had before. If he thinks the real issue is that it's going to mix with the yein nesach that's at the bottom of the kli, and even though most of it has gone through the avir, and he claims mashiach is kone, so basically whatever's in the kli should be kone, shmamina, we can infer from here that what must he hold? Nitzo chibor. That when you're pouring something, remember we talked about this before, by the way, there's a relevant issue for Pesach. Okay, there's a machloket about whether you can use your kumkum on your hot water boiler on Pesach or not, the one you use for regular. So one of the issues that potentially is raised, we, different people pass in different ways, it's definitely people who say you can use a kumkum even though, but if you're pouring hot water from there, let's say, onto a soup mix or something, something that's chametz, okay, right? What things are chametz? You don't pour it onto tea or coffee isn't chametz, but let's say pasta. you pour it onto pasta from your hot water boiler. So it needs to, okay, while it's pouring, it's, so the ch- it's attached to both ends. It's attached to the kumkum itself. So the water is considered chibor. If you hold needs chibor, then you would say that the whole kumkum is basically chametz. Okay, that's the, the basic machloket, what to do with kumkums. So according to this, shmamina nisa chibor, because what does he say? As soon as a little bit gets to the bottom, it's <laughs> as if the whole thing hits the bottom, because it's all viewed as one, one stream. So they say, lo, no. I don't agree that we can infer from here that nisa chibor, according to the one who disagrees with the Rashi, because hachanami. If the non-Jew is actually holding the kli in your hand, then it's, then it's true. But the case of Rav doesn't necessarily mean to be that the non-Jew is holding the kli. I'm talking about that the kli was on the ground, in which case there's no kinyan going on. There's, when it gets to the avir of the kli, 
the non-Jew is not Kone because <coughs> he's not holding it. Remember, I described it, that it was if he was holding the Kli. Says, when Rav told these Mohrim, take the money first, it's because they weren't holding it. It was sitting on the ground. And then what would happen? When he poured it in, as soon as he pours it, right, then the avir of the Kli is in Konev. The avir of the Kli is only Konev if he's actually holding it. Then by lifting it, he would have a Kenyan. But if he's not holding it, it's sitting on the floor. Then you, the, what's going to happen? First, Yenesach is going to happen because you're going to pour the wine into the Kli. The bottom of the Kli is going to have some Yenesach in it. It's going to mix with everything else. It's going to forbid the entire mixture. So that's why Rob said you have to get the money first because Yenesach is going to happen before the Kenyan because the Kenyan is only going to happen when the Nanju then takes the Kli. Again, this is all proving Zamemar's side, which is Mashiach would be Kone. So then they say, but that doesn't make a difference whether it's Manacha'ara, kelav. The Kli itself should be Kone. And we know, we talked about this in Gitin and all sorts of places about Chatzir of an Adam is Kone. Therefore, his Kelim can also be Kone. So what's the difference whether it's on the floor or not? If you hold that, the same Kinyanim hold by, by a non-Jew, then the Kli should already be Kone. Shmat mina. And then, if that's the case, if that's what we're saying, kelav. Then when you said Manacha Ara, you assumed it wasn't, the Kli wasn't Kona. So what should you assume here? This goes back to another Machloket. Should we assume, as first we said, should we assume Nitzuk is, is Achib? Now they say, are we, and that's, each time we keep saying, well, based on what you're saying, it sounds like you're Machriya and a very important Machloket that we don't know the answer to, right? So are we going to infer from here that you hold that the Kalim are in Kona for some particular reason, which is what? We saw this machloket before, which is, if I'm buying something, and my ke- I bring my kelim into your store, and you put your stuff into my kelim, can my kelim be kone if I'm still in your reshut, I'm in your store? So as soon as I put it into my kelim, does that mean it's mine or not? We had a whole discussion about this in the supermarket. You put something in your wagon and it falls. Does that mean you already kone it because you put it in? Now there, the wagon isn't even yours. But let's say you brought your own wagon, okay, to the store. So... Are we going to say that you hold that way? And that's why the kelim are not kone b'rishut mocher? And that's why you said it's manachara? And that's why it's going to be ye nesach before there's an actual kinyan? They say, lo. Lo olamim alacha kanalokech. No, really, it's kanalokech. Bahacha b'mayaskin. And what's the case here? It's not that we're worried it's going to get to the bottom of the kli. If it gets to the bottom of the kli, you're right. It goes through the avir first, and the avir is kone, and it's it's okay. But kigon di'ika akevet yayin apuma dekuznata. It's that on the lip of the kli, there's already some yei nesach remnants. So as you're pouring, it's going to mix with the remnants of the yei nesach before it gets into the kli. And therefore, it's going to become yei nesach first. And that's why Rav made the sellers, right, for the, for the chance that maybe there'll be some yayin on the lip of the, of the container or whatever it is, the pitcher. So therefore, we're worried that when it hits there, it'll hit there first, it'll mix with the Yenesech, it'll already become Yenesech, and then the Jew can't get back of it. Okay? So that's what they assume is the case. Then they say, but wait, Uchiman, but then, according to you, if that's your explanation, it's Deloke Rashbag. This doesn't agree with the... This is not like Rashbag, and we know that when Rashbag disagrees with Tanakama in a Mishnah, we generally hold like Rashbag. And if it doesn't make sense, then you wouldn't be holding like Rashbag. What Rashbag? D Rashbag, we're going to see this on Ayan Dalit. Rashbag says, "Hamar yimacher kulol ovdei kochavim chutz midemei yei nesach shebo." If yei nesach mixes with kosher wine, then you can sell it. You actually can sell it. You just have to deduct the amount. Now, in this case, 
you wouldn't even really need to deduct because the droplets that are there of yei nesef aren't even valued at anything. They're just drops. So then you end up with this tarovet, and the tarovet you're allowed to sell, just subtract the amount of yei nesach in there. So if there were just droplets and it's not even worth anything, you could totally sell it. So if that's his concern, then you're not holding like Rashbag. So then they say, Midu hutama elelarav. What wasn't this whole thing said by Rav? And Hamar Rav didn't Rav say halacha kirashbag? We pasken like Rashbag in this case, not in every situation. Bechavit bechavit. If we're talking about a barrel of yenesech got mixed up with a barrel of regular wine, and we don't know which is which, so you can sell both barrels and just subtract the amount of one barrel. Basically, sell two barrels for the price of one, and that's okay. Avalo yayim biyayim. But he wasn't talking about him. Again, Rashbag was talking about a mixture of yayim biyayim, but we don't paskin like him, according to Rav, in a mixture of wine mixed with wine, which means that it makes sense that Rav would say this because Rav himself doesn't hold like Rashbag, and therefore we don't have that question. Okay, so now we've resolved what the situation is, that we're worried about the wine on the lip, and that's why it's going to be Yenesach, and that proves Amemar Meshicha is Kone. Okay, now we're going to have a question on Amemar, then a question on, on uh, Ravashi. We're going to back and forth a little. Metive. So remember, Amemar says Meshicha is Kone by Ananju. So if you, we saw this case already, you buy coins from an Ove Kochavim, in between the mixture, you buy, let's say, a bag of coins, and inside there's little pieces of avodah kochavim. If he hadn't yet given the ma'ot and he already did mashicha, yachzir, he can return it. What do you see here? Mashicha's not kone, right? Because if the non-Jew takes it from, if the Jew takes it from the non-Jew and all he did was mashicha and he didn't give money, then we can assume there's no kinyan there. But if he already gave the money, and then it was Moshech, then Yolich Yama Melech. Okay, meaning it's the money that determines the Kenyan with the non-Jew. Okay, and therefore, there, there's nothing to do. You can't return it, the, the Elilim, and therefore you'd have to throw the Elilim to Yama Melech. Right, the assumption is that you pay based on weight, and here you ended up paying for those of Dekochavim, you want to get your money back. Everything or just those? Is everything tainted? Or? I don't think so. I think it's just them, just the pieces. Um, I believe so. So, right? So then we have to explain if Mashiach is Kone, then why should you have? Why should you be allowed to return? Since there were Elilim mixed in, this whole thing looks like a Mekach Taut. So I'm a Rav. A Rav says, what kind of crazy explanation is this? Reisha mekach ta'ud, seif alav mekach ta'ud. In other words, we're only allowed to return it if you hadn't paid the money. But if you pay the money, you can't return it. So what do you mean? If you did pay the money, it looks like a mekach ta'ud. And if you did pay the money, it doesn't look like a mekach ta'ud. You can't return it. That doesn't make any sense. El Amarava, Reish of a Sefer Mekach Ta'ut. Really, you have to say the Reish and the Sefer both look like a Mekach Ta'ut, but you have to explain why you can't return it then in the Sefer case. The Reish of Delo Yahiv Zuze, Lomitchaze Kavodak Kochavim Biyad Yisrael. Sefer Diyav Zuze, Mitchaze Kavodak Kochavim Biyad Yisrael. What's the issue? If I return the, if I never paid the money, so I go back to the Nanju and I say, here's the Elilim, give me, you know, and then let's just cancel. I guess in that case, maybe you are going to really return the whole thing and then, you know, buy okay, otherwise. Right. Or, right. Or, right. Or you'll give it back to him. And then when you go to pay, you'll just pay less money. That could be. But 
if you already, and in that case, so you give them back, but there's no, you're not getting money from the Obey Kochavim. But in the second case, you go back to the Obey Kochavim and you say, here's Elilim, give me my money back. Now, what does that look like? Looks like you're selling him Elilim. So therefore, we won't let you do that because it looks like you're selling Avodah to the non-Jew. So that's why the Seifa case doesn't work. And it has nothing to do with, was there a Kenyan or was there not a Kenyan? Now, we're going to question Rav Ashi, who again, what did Rav Ashi say? Mashiach is not Kone, right? Only money is Kone. Amar leh markashi shabarei drav chisela Rav Ashi. Tashma, look at this source. Hamokher yeno le'ovei kochavim, pasak ad shalom adad, damav mutarim. Remember our Mishnah. If you sell wine to a non-Jew, if you made an agreement about the price before you measured, then damav mutarim. Then you can take the money from him later. But and and but not if you didn't right lo pasak then damav or not mutarim right if you didn't agree on a price you measured it for him and you gave it to him and la- later you got the money that's no good. I amar meshicha bobe kochavim eno kone amai damav mutarim right if you haven't paid the money yet you just agreed on a price so how could you say damav mutarim he right he would uh, if you say meshicha is not kone one second um, then. Mashiach is not kone. Why is the purchase money permitted? Right, because mutarim. Right, because when you measure it, he's kone. Right, the he did not acquire the wine when he lifted and measured it. When he subsequently touched the wine and rendered it nesach, it still belonged to the Jew. Right, if Mashiach no, Mashiach wasn't. Oh, right, if Mashiach wasn't kone. Right. Mashiach wasn't Kona, then it still belonged to the Jew when he was Menasech. And then how could you get the money for it? So what does he answer? We had this in a different case. He must have given him some money up front, and that was the Kenyan. That's what he assumes. Even though the Mishnah doesn't say so, when he says Pasach, he agreed on a price, it means, and he paid him a little bit up front. Gave him a deposit. But then, if he gave him money up front, and that's what the Mishnah is talking about, then, in the second case, where he didn't agree on a price, if he also gave him a bit of money up front, should have been a Kenyan, then, should have been Mutarin. Because again, the Yenesek would have happened in the possession of the non-Jew. So, Amalei, um, so he says, according to you then, and as if you say it wasn't Akdim Leidinar, but it was Mashicha that worked, right? So if you hold Mashicha works, and that's what you're questioning me about, because you think I'm wrong, you think Mashicha is Kone, so why in the Reisha is Damav Mutarim and the Sefa Damav Asurin? Both cases, the Ovei Kochavim should have been Moshech, right? And therefore it should have been his before it became Yenesach. There's this Mishnah, right, sort of doesn't work either way, he's saying to him. So you say, if you don't think it doesn't work for me, well, I think it doesn't work for you. What could you possibly say? That what's the difference in the Reisha and the Seifa? Pasak or lo pasak? They agreed on a price or they didn't agree on a price. So what are you going to claim? If Mashiach is Kone, what are you going to claim? Mashiach is going to be Kone dependent on whether there was a price agreed upon or not. Because what's Mashiach? It shows, Mashiach Kone means when you were Moshech, you were serious about it and you intended to go through with the purchase. Now, that's only going to work. Pasak Samchadate. Lo Pasak, lo Samchadate. What are you going to claim if you hold Mashiach is Kone? That only in the case where he made where they agreed on price is his Mashiach going to reflect that he was serious about going through with the purchase. But if they didn't agree on a price, then we don't know what he's going to do in Lo Samchadate. 
So therefore, if that's what you're going to claim, I'll say the same thing. Ladidinami. Right? Remember, they asked the question, well, if Kadim Ladinar, why shouldn't the second case work? So now he says the same thing. He says, I'll argue the same thing you would argue, which is, if he paid a little money up front, then some chadate. We all know there's many cases where you put down a deposit and you say, I'm putting it down just, it's not that much money, I'm just putting it down to ensure that I can get it if I do want it. But you're not 100% sure you want it, right? This happens all the time. People reserve spots in schools and other things. They'll say, I'll put a little money down. What's the big deal? Worst case, I'll cancel. So if you already knew what the price was, then samchadate. Then we assume when you put the money down, you intended to go through with the purchase. But lo pasak, if you didn't even know what the price was, then even though you put down a little money, lo samchadate. We don't really necessarily <laughs> think you're going to go ahead with it. And that's why there's a difference between the resha and the seifa. And therefore, it doesn't prove either shita. Another question on Ravashi. Amr ravina le Ravashi. Tashma, look at this source. To Amr bichia bar Abba Amr Yochanan, ben noach neherag apachot mishave pruta, velo nitan leheshavon. This means if a Ben Noach steals, Jews are only Chayav if they steal a Shavapruta. But a non-Jew is Chayav even if he steals something less than a Shavapruta. And not only is he Chayav, remember a Ben Noach, what does he get if he is over on any of the, of the Shavah Mitzvot B'nei Noach? He gets killed. Okay, we saw this in, uh, there was a bit of a machloket about this, whether he gets the same death also. But anyway, this crazy case, if he steals less than a Shavapruta, he gets the death penalty. And lo nitan shavon. Since it's not worth anything, he can't even return it. Okay, there's no din of returning it. If you say Meshich is not kone, now we get all into this weird thing about a ganav, that the assumption is when a ganav steals something, he has to, in order to be chayav according to the Torah, he has to actually have acquired it. Okay, now obviously he doesn't acquire it. You can't take something else's someone else's item and acquire it without them agreeing to give it to you. But the assumption is it's, he doesn't, he has to do an act that if the person were selling it to him, it would be considered a Kenyan in order to be mitchayev. So if he steals it, and there's no Kenyan, what has he steal it? By Meshicha. If Meshicha is in Kone, then he has no way to acquire it in order to be mitchayev, the death penalty. So they say, no, the reason why he's chayev and a pachot has nothing to do with Meshicha. The reason why he gets killed is because he stole from a Jew and that upsets the Jew. Okay? And therefore, um, that's the reason why he gets killed. What does it mean that he's lonitan leheshavon? Okay? And that's because what it means is Okay? It's not, it doesn't have the laws of being able to return it because it doesn't have a value. It's not considered at a particular value. So, Ihachi, Ema Seifa, but look at the continuation. But if you're saying the whole issue is Tsare li Israel, then look at the Seifa. It doesn't make sense. If a Ben Noach steals from a Jew, and then a Ben Noach steals from the Ben Noach, that item that was stolen from the Jew, okay, he is Neherag. So, Bishlama Resha, Mishum de Tsare li Israel. Ella, Seifa Mayavid, and he wasn't Mitzayer Li Yisrael at that point, he took it from the Ben Noach. So if you're saying the whole issue is Tzareh Li Yisrael, then he shouldn't be Chayav in this case. Ella, Shmamina, so what must you infer from here? Meshicha Bovei Kochavim Kone Shmamina. And here we conclude that Meshicha must be Kone, otherwise a Ben Noach would not be Chayav on Pachabishav Pruta. Okay. Hu Gavr de Amalei Lechavre. Here's a case now. A uh, person says to his friend, 
If I decide to sell my property, I'm going to sell it to you. Now, the assumption here is, otherwise it makes no sense, the continuation, is that they did some sort of kinyan. In other words, what, what's missing here? They didn't agree on a price. He says, if I decide to sell my house, I'll sell it to you. And they do some sort of kinyan. Okay, without a kinyan, this wouldn't be the case. Okay, the continuation. You'll see. Eventually, the guy decides to sell his house and sells it to somebody else. Amar of Yosef Kanakama. The first guy gets to keep the land. And what would happen? He would have to pay the value, right? The, the, he would either pay the value to the new buyer or the new buyer would get his money back from the seller and, you know, he would have to buy the land. Okay, but in other words, he has rights to say, I get the land. Okay, that's why it has to be he did a Kenyan, otherwise it would make no sense. Amar le'abaye v'halo pasak. But according to, right, what did we say? You have to be posek damim in order, right, especially land. We know land sells for all kinds of prices. What's the assumption that, you know, you were going to necessarily buy that land for the price the guy told you at the time, right? In other words, he never told you a price. So how could you say that that Kenyan is mo'il? Didn't we say that in order for there to be a Kenyan, you have to have psikat damim? Umina temra dechol hacha de lo pasak lo kana. And where do we know that any time you're lo posek, it's not a kinyan, ditnan, like our Mishnah. Hamochir yeno love kochavim, pasak ad shalom adad, damav mutarim. Madad ad shalom pasak, damav asurim. Okay, so here you see the psikat amim, or the fact that you, let's put it this way, the fact that you didn't agree on a price means that the kinyan is not necessarily valid, okay? Or, or is it? That's the question. So my havela. So what's the, what's the situation? So they say, what do you mean, my havela? In other words, the question is, is the lack of giving a price, is that ma'akev the kinyan or not? So they, they now say, what do you mean, my havela? We just said, Abaye just brought as a proof our Mishnah. And it's the fact that we have this case, Rav Yosef Paskana, that doesn't prove anything. We have our Mishnah, which clearly shows the psikata mim is ma'akev kinyan. Right? Whether if you don't come up with a price, then there is no kinyan. So they say, no, you can't necessarily prove it from our Mishnah. Why? Now, one way to say it would be, which is interesting, I don't know why the Gemara doesn't say this, would be this difference non-Jew, Jew. We're comparing Kenyan by a Jew and Kenyan by a non-Jew, which we already discussed the fact that there's differences. The Gemara doesn't answer that for some reason. The Gemara answers, Maybe, Nesach is more chamor. We're going to require a more serious Kenyan, where there's psikat amim, in order for us to say, it's already in the hands of the non-Jew when it became Nesach. And mutar, right? But otherwise, without psikat amim, we're going to say it was in the possession of the Jew when it became yenesech, and therefore you're not allowed to get the money from it. So maybe we've seen this before: the yenesech <laughs> is more chamor, and maybe that's why the Mishnah says psikat amim is ma'akev. But in a regular case, it won't be ma'akev. So now they want to try to bring proofs for: is it ma'akev or is it not ma'akev? So tashma, and it's right now they have possibility we can learn it from our Mishnah. Rejection: No, the Mishnah is unique because it's yenesech, and maybe yenesech is more chamor. So let's find another source. There was a case in Rav Chista. Rav Chista took it to Rav. Uh, I'm sorry. He took it to Rav Huna. Be Rav Huna. And he answered it from this case. From this Mishnah. First case doesn't really have to do with our case yet. Somebody's bringing you stuff from a fruit store, okay, or from the from the sedet. They're carrying your stuff to sell to you. 
So they come in, the chamarav or the poalav, right, the workers and the, and the people with the donkey, and you bring them into your house to buy the stuff, but they still have all their wares on their donkey or on their backs. Okay, they're carrying it. Doesn't matter whether you agreed on a price before you measured it out, or whether you measured it before you agreed on a price. There's no kinyan, okay? Because the wares are still on their backs or in their donkeys, there's no kinyan at all, and everyone can go be choser, even if you agreed on a price or not. But perkan, but if they took off their wares, and either the lokach brings them into his house, or the guys themselves, the workers, bring the stuff into the person's house, pasak ad if they agreed on a price before they measured it out, Neither one can go renege. But madad ad pasak, if they measured it before they agreed on a price, So what do you see here? Not yeinesech and psikatamim is makev. And maybe that's why, by the way, they didn't make the distinction Jew, non-Jew, because it seems that even for Jews, this is a criteria. Okay? So there you see the source. So what are the answers? So the, um, okay, so that's their answer. So they say, you see from the source, that psikat amim is an important aspect, right? And if you didn't come up with a price, then anyone can be choser, there's no kinyan. Okay, assuming that there was no other right, kinyan of, um, you know, you didn't pay the money, obviously, because obviously that has to come after psikat amim. Um, but here, right now, here it's, it's weird because... You also weren't Moshech in this case. There was a pseudo, it's in your chatzir, but it also wasn't exactly clear yet. In other words, even though it's in your chatzir, that's not enough. Okay, another similar situation. Somebody says to his friend, it's similar to the earlier case. We're now going back. We're now off the psikata. I mean, we're going back since we mentioned that case before about saying, if I, right, if I sell my land, I'll sell it to you. Here's a different case with a little bit of a variation. If I sell my land... I'll sell it to you for a hundred zuzim. He sells it to somebody else for a hundred and twenty. Now remember, it's like the other case. There had to have been some sort of kinyan here, right? So Amarav Kahana, Kana Kama. The first guy gets to buy it. Okay, because he did a kinyan, he can purchase it for a hundred zuzim. And the other guy, tough luck, he can't get his hundred twenty zuzim that he wanted to get. But here is the surprising part of this sugya. This guy, he was forced, okay, let's put it in parentheses. He was forced to sell it to the second guy for 120 zuzim. What does that mean he was forced? He got a much better offer. In other words, yes, he promised to the first guy for 100 zuzim, but when the next guy promised 120, he said, oh, wow, I can get a much better price for this. I get to sell it for the higher price. Remember, there's no ona'a when it comes to land, right? Land always fluctuates. And the point is, when he promised to the first guy, according to Rav Yaakov in Harpako, what he was really promising was, I'll sell it to you if I'm going to sell it for 100 zoos. But if I'm going to get more money for it, then I'm certainly not going to sell it to you for 100 zoos. What I think they're really saying is, no one in their right mind would commit to a price when it comes to land, knowing how how much lamb, prices of lamb fluctuate. And if he said, if I ever decide to sell my land, I'll sell it to you for 100 zoos, what he really meant was, in the event that I'm going to sell it for 100 zoos. But if I could get more for it, now here, the Gemara gave a case of 120 zoos. But some people say, they pass him, even if he gets 101 zoos from someone else, he's allowed to sell it to the second guy. And in fact, not only does Rav Yaakov in Arpa say this, but the Gemara says, Rav Yaakov in Okay, even though he promised he did a kinyan to the first guy, we assume that that kinyan was b'tznai. 
But it's not he get that same amount of money, and therefore, if he's not willing to, you know, if he if he's not giving him that same amount of money, it's there's, the Kenyan is off. Okay. So it sounded like he just gave the guy the right of first refusal. Like it didn't sound like he said a price at all. If I no, he said but Mazuze. The second, the first case we saw you didn't, but the second case he said, okay. I'll give it to you for Mazuzim, uh-huh. to the first guy, right? The, the second case, the first guy in the second case, he said, I'll sell it to you for Mazuzim. So the assumption of Rabbi Yana, Kavina, Harpakot is that what he meant is if I get 100 Zeus for it, but if I can get more, I'll sell it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, if he says, I'll give you the price according to what three people determine the price is going to be, even if it's two out of three, because the assumption is if he says three, what does he really mean? He means a beitin. And what's a beitin? The majority of three. So if two out of three agree on a certain amount, then we're going to go by the two out of three. But if he says, if he says like they say in three, meaning the three people agree to the price, then ada amre bitlata. Okay, you have to then wait till all three people agree on the price. You find three people who agree on what the value of the land is. This is just talking about land value. Okay, you'd have to do with three. That, that we said, means the majority out of the two out of three is only in the case where it's three, because three is a classic number for a baiting. But once you give a different number, like four, then no matter how you worded it, I'm sorry, or either which way, we're going to assume you mean all four people have to agree on a price because there's no reference to baiting within the number four. What if you say and you find three people who all agree on a price, and the other side though, okay, right, whichever side it is, the seller, the buyer, can say, no, I don't want those three. I want a different three because these guys know property values better. I don't trust the three that you brought. I have a better three who know property values better. Okay, so in other words, according to this, they can bring, okay, the other side can say, I don't trust your three. I have three who know property value better, and I can claim that. And I want to go by those three. Right, this is classic of arguing over what the va- value of property is. In words, just because I claim that my people know how to evaluate land better than your people, who's to say that that's true? Okay, and therefore, you can't, you can't just override. Once, if we say, like three people say, the first three people that are kovea is what's kovea. Okay, and that's it. You can't start switching around according to the second opinion. It's machloket. Rav Papa says you can. Rav Huna says that's it. It's done. The Hilchataka Rav Huna Bered Yerav Yosho, and we actually pass him that way. Okay, new Mishnah. Natalat Hamashpech Umadad Letoch Tzolchitosh Alavei Kochavim. Okay, we have the seller. He takes a funnel and he starts pouring into the pl- the the jug of the non-Jew through the funnel. And after he finishes using the funnel to pour into the non-Jew's wine, what does he do? He takes the funnel and he puts it into a jug of a Jew. Okay? Right? It's a seller who's selling to Jews and non-Jews. He uses the same funnel. If there's a little wine left in the top of the funnel, like on the rim or in some part of the funnel, then it's going to be asur. Now, what's the issue? This is strange. We'll see in the Gemara what the issue is exactly, because the funnel, in theory, doesn't 
doesn't go into the jug of the non-Jew, how could the Yenesech come up from the non-Jew's barrel into the funnel? The same okay. theory. Ah, so, right. So we'll talk about what it is. Hama'aremi kliya kli. What if you're pouring from one kli into another kli? Et menu muta. Et tocho asur. And the assumption is the bottom kli has Yenesech in it. What you pour, right? Et menu. The upper, like the kli that you're pouring from is mutar. This seems like nitzok is nachibor. Right? The et tocho. And what you pour from here into the bottom one is asur. Okay, in other words, whatever was poured into the bottom one is obviously going to be forbidden. Tanan hatam. So now they're going to get into these cases. Okay, it says in a Mishnah in Tarot, Hanitzok, okay, that's right, this flow, Hakatapres, I have trouble pronouncing this word, Hakatapres, which is if you have, okay, as opposed to a flow which is going in the air, here you have, you take a little, uh, Clee uh, on an angle, you know, like a flat thing that you put on a diagonal. You pour the wine and it drips from down that angle into the next thing. So you have things. Here it's not wine. Okay, we're just talking about any two things connected by a flow. And as you have something in the, in the top and something at the bottom, and they're connected either by a flow in the air or they're connected by a flow on, on something. Umashketofach, or you have a, a liquid that has enough to get something else wet, but not enough liquid to get something else wet, which will get the third thing wet, right? We talked about this, but it's just a little bit wet. Let's say it's a droplet, which could get something wet, but then that item won't be able to get something else wet. And that's in between two, it's touching two other liquids. This stream, or whatever it is that's going in between these two things, you have two entities with something in between them, the nitso, the kaf katafras, or this mashketofah, does not connect the two, not in the sense, meaning if I am tamay and I touch one of the entities, and they're connected through this flow, it doesn't metame the other entity. Okay, they're considered two separate entities, that doesn't connect them. And nafratahara, meaning if I wanted to combine these two bodies of water, let's say these two units of water, for the purposes of a mikvah, and I needed a certain shear for the mikvah, I wouldn't be able to combine them either. So that's latara. But hashboren, but a pond, would be chibor latuma vilatara. If you have a pond on two sides, if you have one kli touching it on one side and one on the other side, that's mechubar, both for tuma and for tara. So based on this, Amar Huna, Nitzok, or not necessarily based on this, we'll talk about it in a minute. Nitzok bekafteras umash ketofeach chibur leinyan yen yesech. Even though it says here they're not chibur lo the tumah lo latara, he claims they are chibur when it comes to yen yesech. Hamar le Rav Nachman le Rav Huna minalach ha. Where do you get this from? Ilema, if you want to say you derive it. Now remember, he wasn't necessarily commenting on this mishnah. He just said his comment. So Rav Nachman says to him, are you getting it from this Mishnah? Which would imply what? Are you deriving, because it says, they're not for Tumah, they're not for Tara, but, but they would be for something else. But you can't say that, because which would mean what? In other words, the, clearly, the topic is just Tumantara, because one says not for this, not for that, and that is for Tumantara. You can't start deriving here, yein yesach at all. Tanan, let's take this source. Maybe from our Mishnah, what does it say? You take the mashpech, and you measure the mashpech, and you measure the mashpech, 
Ha'kevet yayin b'maka mitzra, lav b'nitzok, right? What don't we assume? Like we started to say, why is the ha'kevet yayin problematic, right? Why is it, why is, if there's some there, you can't reuse the funnel? It must be because we say mitzok is chibor. And therefore, what's going through the mashpech is connected to the bottom. And therefore, if there's yayin nesach in the bottom, the flow is going to make the top problematic also. And that's why you can't reuse the funnel for a Jew. And then, Shmamina Nitzok Chibor, right? And then you would say, Nitzok is Chibor. So they say, no, that doesn't, that doesn't prove anything, because Tani Rabbi Chia, Rabbi Chia said about this, she, that our Mishnah is talking about, She Pechastot Zlochito. Okay, this goes back to something else we learned. It's a case where the jug is so full, right? Think about a funnel. A funnel goes a little bit into the top of the jug. So it's the jug gets so full that the funnel is actually physically touching the water. It's on the wine. Okay? It physically touches the yeinesech, right? The wine that's in the kli of the non-Jew. So then they say, okay. So according to this, so what are you going to say? If not, it's not going to be a problem. So if that case, if that's the case, then my low, right? It won't be a problem. If that's the case, then what could you assume? They keep trying to get to, is, is Nitzok Chibor or not? If it's only Pchastot Slochito, then what can you prove about Nitzok? Tifsho, we can infer from here, the Nitzok ain't no Chibor, right? Then we can derive from this Mishnah, since it's only Pchasto if it overflows, but if it didn't overflow and it was just the flow, it wouldn't be problematic. So they say, low, you can't prove Nitzok ain't no Chibor either. But they keep... It's clear to them that we don't know whether it's Chibor or not. So they keep saying, well, then it would be totally obvious for this Mishnah. So that's a problem. Because it would be totally obvious for this Mishnah, we wouldn't have this debate. Is it Chibor or is it not Chibor? So what do they answer? No. The Mishnah is just telling you that it's a case of Again, this is according to Rabbi Chia's reading of the Mishnah. Then we know for sure the funnel will be problematic. But if it's just Nitzok, we don't know. <laughs> Okay, now this doesn't prove that Nitzok isn't Chibor and it wouldn't be problematic. It just proves we don't know what the story is with that. Okay, Tashma. Again, they keep trying to figure out. Now, in the, all these sources they're trying to bring about the Nitzok, about what Rav Huna said, that Nitzok is Chibor, is that true or not? Tashma. Hamaremi Kli Lekli. So now let's look at the next case in the Mishnah. If you're pouring from one Kli to another, Et Shemaremi Menu Mutar. Only what you put, the bottom kli is going to, I'm sorry, the top kli is going to be mutar. Sounds like what's in the air is asur, because only what's in the top kli, it says it's, it's uh, mutar. Shmamina nitzokhibor. So it sounds like what's in the avir is mechubar. Now, there's a bit of a problem, which we're going to say in a minute, right? If you're really going to say it's not just what's in the air, it's also what's in the top kli. It should forbid the whole thing. So they say, What it means is, if, you're, if you pour it in spurts, you pour it, then you stop, you pour it, then you stop, you pour it, then you stop, then we can assume what's in the top kli is still okay, but anything past the top kli like what's in the air, is going to be problematic. And then you can prove that Nitzuk is Chibor. So they say, but that doesn't make any sense. You're deriving, because it said the top Kli is Mutar, you're deriving that then the Avir is a sewer, which would then prove Nitzuk is Chibor. But but you can derive from the Seifa the opposite. Only the bottom Kli is a sewer, but what's in the middle would be Mutar. 
Right? Because there it says, right, the top clea is mutar, the bottom clea is asur. If it says the bottom clea is asur, that implies whatever is above the bottom clea, whatever in the avir is going to be mutar. So, again, just like we said in the earlier case, we have two opposite things and no one discusses the in-between case and either which can be derived either which way. Next case. I'm going to go on just a little further, okay? Even though it's a bit more time, but I want to move ahead for, to finish by Friday. If you're pouring from a chavit into a boar, okay, so you have a barrel of wine, you're pouring it into a boar. Whatever is pouring from the edge of the chavit, whatever leaves the chavit and going down is asur. Ah, that should prove nitzuk chibor, right? But they say no, the issue is not the chibor that it's, it's attached to the boar and the boar is, is ostering what's in the air. No, it's that what's being poured, the ovei kochavim is getting involved. He's the one pouring it. Since he's pouring it, it's asur midin kocho. Remember we saw that din of kocho? Whatever he moves is already going to be asur mishum yenesa. If he's pouring, then it's not just what's in the air, but he's moving around, pouring from the top chavit. Whatever's in the top chavit should be asr. So they say no. It's not really asr because while he's pouring, he's not being minasech. But the rabbis forbade it. But when they forbade it, right? They were only gozer on what's coming out. But not what's still in the original kli, and that's why. Amalu Rabchista Lahanu Saviata. Here's another case of Saviata. We started with it, we're ending with it. Rabchista says to these wine sellers, Ki Kailitu Hamalovde Kochavim, Katve Kitufe, Inami Nafseni Putse. Pour it very quickly, or pour it um, like in one big spill. Okay, so that. There's no connection between what's in the upper, and you won't mess up what's in your upper. So doesn't that sound like nitzuk chibor? Amalu Rava lahane shofchai. Rava says to these shofchaim, these people who poured wine, kishvachitu chamra lolikare vovei kochavim l'sayabadaychu. Another case, he told them, don't let the obdei kochavim help you pour. Dilma mashtalitu v'shaditu le'alei. Maybe you'll leave the barrel for a minute and then the wine will be moved because of his kocho, the asir, and that will forbid it for you. That goes back to the kocho thing. Okay, this is a contraption. I have to be honest, I didn't understand fully how it exactly works, but you can read in the current. It's, it's a type of siphon, basically, which cleans out. It goes, there's one that's higher up, there's one that's lower down, there's a tsinur, a pipe that goes from one to the other, and they would suction out and it would help get rid of all the impurities, okay? We'll leave them in one place. And the, basically the point is the wine moves all around from one to the other. Okay, there's a lot of movement of the wine, which is going to be the critical thing here. So they say, The Obey Kochavim came and put it where the, the suction goes, okay? Put his hand there. Remember, Rav was matir all these cases? In this case, he asers it. Somebody said to Rav, we're not sure who. Doesn't this prove Nitzuk is Chibor? Because since the non Jew is touching the suction, right, the, the, the place where it comes out, therefore it must be he touched every, right? We're going to assume it's all connected by Nitzuk. So they say, no. It's just that the wine moves all around here. It's not a regular case, and therefore it's us for a different reason. 
Amar Marzutra Bereder of Nachman, Knish Knin Share. Okay, interesting word, but this means it sounds like a little bit, you have some contraption, that from it there's all these straws coming out, and people drink from it all together at the same time. So this is allowed if you're drinking together with a non-Jew. It's only if, your Pasak doesn't mean what we said before, Pasak means he stopped. If the Jew stopped drinking first. But if the non-Jew, why is that? Because when he stops drinking, what happens? Wine comes from his mouth. This is why people don't like to share a drink with straws with other people. Because when you let go of the straw, what happens? The wine that was in your straw that got to your mouth, some of it comes out back into the, the, the mixture. And then you can't drink because it's Yenessa. So, okay, he was in a situation where they, the Reish Galuta's house, where you can imagine there were other non-Jews because he was this prominent right, guy in good relations with the non-Jews, the head of the Galut. So, they allowed him to drink in this way, like the other one said, as long as he stopped first. And he could, It wasn't that he passed that way. Um, I'm sorry, it wasn't that they martyred him, it was that he himself just did it, okay? Um, it's the same thing, basically, but that he w- would use this kanishkanin, um, even with non-Jews, but as long as he stopped first, and not the non-Jews. Okay. That makes sense.